Sasha. Hey, Courtney. You know, sometimes I just don't feel like eating dinner, so I like to just get a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch and go nuts. Oh, yeah, I've been there, girl. Yeah, you could say I'm a real serial killer. Same. Let's go Let's murder some cereal. I just want to go get a box. It's cereal killer hour. I, I mean, mean, spoop hour. Whoops. Cereal? Spoop. Cereal. Spoop. Soup. Spoop. Spoop. Yeah, we know what we said. We know what we said. We said uh, what we welcome said. back to Spoop Hour, a no. paranormal comedy podcast. That also loves cereal. That also loves cereal. Yeah. We are cereal killers. Yeah, I <laughs> love killing cereal. This is Courtney, that's Sasha. Hi. I don't trust you to introduce yourself anymore. I Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you say you're me. I'm, yeah. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour. Follow us on the Instagram, for real, because like there's a lot of good visual stuff that goes on there, and also just like drop quotes from like weird shit that one or both of us have said yes um, generally and, i try to do at least one from both of us or i'll do both from both and, of us and what i love is like just roll like scrolling through instagram and just like seeing something and being like ha, ah, that's funny and realizing it's Wait, from we our said that. <laughs> and as always you can email us at spoopar at gmail.com we have a listener story today which we'll share in a little bit but did anything spooky happen to you this week not really well I don't know if you saw my Spoop Hour tweet about it, but on Friday, I had a very long week. This next week is going to be a very long week. It's just a crazy work time for me. You've been like a zombie. I know you hate zombies, but you've kind I've of been, been a zombie. I've been a super mega zombie yeah. because I've just been like so over, like I didn't leave work until 5.45 on Friday mm-hmm. because there was just, I was doing stuff and I had too much to do. Anyway, so Friday morning, I was like, it's the last day of this fucking week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to work this one last time and then I have a fucking weekend. And I had a baby shower that I forgot about, but I still went and it was going to be fine. And then I went to get into my car and this motherfucker was on my door. I saw that tweet. This fucking acid green spider bastard. So I got into the passenger side of my car and climbed over the console like an adult. Like an adult. And then that motherfucker was still on my door when I got to work, but it was gone by the time I left. So it was fine. Oh, good. Anyway, how about you? Oh, well, I guess this isn't really, like, spooky that happened to me, but I tweeted about this, too, on the, the on the Spoop Hour Twitter account. You should follow us there. We retweet a lot of, like, really funny stuff, including... What was that? That fucking that doll? doll? Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's a woman I, who is opening a horror movie, and she's, like... A, she, she, did you see that they, there's, like, a weird stain on it? Yeah. So, I, I rolled over this morning, <laughs> and it fa- got on Twitter for a little bit, and saw it, and I retweeted it to the Spoop Hour account, and then I went back to sleep, and then, like... An hour later, I went on Twitter and, like, was on my main account and saw that Spoop Hour retweeted this thing. I went, ah, what is that? And then remembered, you oh, no, that. I retweeted that when I was, like, half asleep because I was like, ha, ha, that's funny. It's just <laughs> a really upsetting doll that this woman was at a thrift store. She saw it, and then she was like, I couldn't get its face out of my head, so I went back and got it. It's just really upsetting. 
Marie Kondo that shit. That is not sparking joy. Yeah, yeet that shit. Just <laughs> just, just yeet. yeet it into the sun. But I guess like one thing that I tweeted about this week was th- I think I think you'd like this. I need to show it to you at some point. But one of my students for her final exam project mm. made a BuzzFeed Unsolved parody, but it was for Beloved by Toni Morrison. <laughs> So she's just talking about all the strange happenings. I did see that tweet and I was like, ooh, I wonder if Sasha will show me. Yeah, I need to, I need to show you that. I also need to show you this video that another, another student made. He found, he and his partner found a bunch of vines and like YouTube videos, like memes, and then like edited all the characters from Hamlet's names over different nice. things. And it is so apt. Like I ended up, I um, one shit. of my former students sent me a link to a Tumblr post that was like, um, Hamlet as vines, and mm. it was actually different vines than the ones he found. But I was like, I need to show you something. And I showed her, <laughs> she was, and this is like a very literary, I think she she's in college studying classics and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And she was like, beat for beat, it like covered everything in the play, <laughs> and like everything was like super apt. And I was Love like it. impressed with like the quality of like memes these kids came up with this year. The kids are all right. Um, the kids are all right. I guess like the, it's not spooky, but the annoying thing that happened to me this <laughs> week. <laughs> This continuing saga. It's the saga of where did your money go? Where did my... Because the answer is we just don't know. We just don't know. To quote... Didn't go to furniture. To to quote John Mulaney, can I see my stuff? Nope. You sure can't. Thanks for asking. Have a great day. not see my stuff. Our Ikea shit is still not here. Still missing. And we ended up yesterday not having... Like, we we didn't get any calls from delivery people or whatever. And we were like, that's (laughs) weird because we were promised June 2nd. And so we called Ikea and they were like, oh, no one ever promises anything in corporate. Wait, Someone said this promise, June 2nd? Like, today that we're recording? <laughs> we meant next year. We That's met cool, right? June 2nd, 2020. We actually I, meant June 2nd, 3047, so <laughs> are you good with waiting that long, or did you want it sooner? We have a cryogenic <laughs> freezing <laughs> chamber at Ikea. It's actually underneath Ikea. Mm-hmm. Part but of your money went to your fee for being cryogenically frozen so you could get your shit. <sighs> so... <laughs> Keep us in your thoughts. <laughs> I want to see my stuff. Tots and pears, girl. Um, but there were, oh, we were talking about foxes the other day, and one of my students was like, yeah, it always sounds like someone's being murdered. And all yeah, I sure it is. I just heard someone being murdered, and I went, what? <laughs> I didn't tell you. When I was visiting my best friend in Florida, she was telling me this story, and she has a childhood friend who got really sick a couple of years ago, like, to the point where they weren't sure if he was going to make it. Uh-huh. And I was like, how's he doing? Is he, is, he, is he good? And she's like, yeah, he's really good now. But, you know, he had gotten married, and he noticed in his Google search history how to divorce and keep all the money. Yeah. And I was like, are you fucking telling me that his wife tried to poison him? And she goes... No, that was a separate thing. This woman was just trying to divorce him, but also keep all the money. So he got the divorce. She did not get to keep the money. Oh, and Lord. I, and I was like, you can't set me up like that. I got so excited. Yeah. How to divorce and keep the money. Murder. How to murder and keep the money. How to murder. And, and I was like, does the search end with how to untraceable murder? Like, <laughs> come on. But it didn't. So that was If bummer. you need to learn how to untraceable murder someone, I feel like Courtney is the way to go. I mean, or- honestly. <laughs> Julia teaming up would be like an unstoppable Yeah, game force. over. Like, fuck it. You and Julia know too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, don't worry about it. I've never <laughs> actually killed someone as far as you need to know. Don't worry about don't it. Don't worry about it. You sound crazy right now. Like, don't do you know how crazy you sound? You sound so crazy. Anyway, we have a listener story. Do you want to read it? I would love to read this it. This is from Vivian, who tweeted at us to say, like, 
how do I get this to you? And I was like, just send it to us. We love you so much. So, And then she you. sent it and was like, I'm sorry, it's super long. And I'm like, you shut up. It's perfect. So, yeah. Thank you. Spoopower at gmail.com. Send us things. Guess what? We get excited and read them and then we don't sleep. But that's fine because I'm not doing that anyway. But yeah. Her <laughs> research is going to keep all of us awake. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have an intro to the spookier one that we'll open with. Maybe, maybe don't listen to this episode at night. Yeah. If you're laying in bed, you're like, I'm going to listen to the soothing, very loud sounds the of spook power. dulcet sounds. power <laughs> as I go Lots to dreamland. Go ahead and turn this off and, I don't know. Try again to in some the morning. Fun, some fucking, like rhythmic Tibetan chanting. Ocean waves. Ooh, yeah. Whale song. You know, gentle bird noises. Do that instead. And then they're like, oh no, I'm back in. You're doing bird noises. (laughs) That was my whale sound. Kind of sounded like an ambulance. I'm sorry to everyone who just had a heart attack. We're feeling spicy. I'm so tired. Like, I just, I can't follow shit. Like, Sasha earlier this week came home, apparently with a big bag of KFC, and I just, like, spaced on it. And I was like, hey, did you bring this box in, or do we have a really weird ghost? And she was like, yeah, I had the bag when I came in. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'd be really easy to murder right now. I don't know the shit. (laughs) So, Vivian's story. So, the other day, my alarms woke me up on a day that I had... <laughs> that I had off, so I went back to sleep to have a dream I remember clearer than I usually remember. Most of which isn't important, other than I was in a small shop talking to the owner. Okay. Which in a dream blur was suddenly me laying down and talking to her over a phone. And an old friend who used to live with us. No. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty okay. standard dream logic. Sure. sure, you're talking to someone, then you're on the phone talking to them. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of the conversation that happened at the point when I was laying down, but I know that she kept saying, I can't hear you a few times, and I kept trying to answer her when she finally asked, can you hear yourself? Oh. I hate that. I don't care for that. I, not to interrupt Vivian's story, but I have that dream a lot as a teacher where mm. I'm trying to teach a class and no one can hear me, and I'm just like trapped and there's like no sound coming from me, and everyone is just being terrible, and I'm like crying, because oh. I can't like... No one can hear me. I can't See, get my class started. I have the dream where, like, I am watching someone home invade me. Oh, and you can't And then I can't scream. It? So I, I'm, like, trying to force it out, and my lungs are genuinely just going, <sighs> No! Oh, God. And it's horrifying. That's horrifying. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So can you hear yourself? Yikes. Then I suddenly realized I hadn't been talking and that I couldn't move. No! And that the person who laid down beside me wasn't who I thought, but was now a faceless mannequin type thing. No! Are you going to be okay? It was a fucking mannequin. I'm so tired. This is so much. That was now on top of me, hands on my throat. Jesus. Obviously, I was in a panic now, trying desperately (laughs) to move my arms, which I was eventually able to move in order to bring the thing's grasp on my neck Mm. and was able to finally get my weight on top of it. Whatever it was, it was weak, I noticed, and I assumed that it was able to look like someone you know and also paralyze you in order to attack. Jesus Christ. And this is, is she saying that it's in the way that you sometimes know things Mm -hmm. in dreams? Like, again, dream logic doesn't make any sense, but in the dream you're like, oh, I know this. I know how this works. I've been here before. But after I had turned the tables on it, the room went black and I couldn't move again, and I was back trying to move my arms again until I was able to reach up to my reading lamp in order to see the room and whatever was in there. But the room was empty. But it felt wrong. Obviously, Mm. I didn't go back to sleep. It was about 6.30 a.m. at this point. It felt like a supernatural presence, but I thought it felt like how people describe sleep paralysis. So I went with that explanation because it was easier. 
However, I told the story to my mother, and she told me that the same night she was having constant nightmares, <laughs> and she finally woke up and was mad at my dad because he had laughed at her nightmare story when she started to tell him about it. And she had gotten up around the same time that I had my nightmare and sleep paralysis. Mm. My mom was a bit uneasy, and she had also been talking about how the dogs had been sleeping in the garage because the other day one of the dogs was barking at my sister. She doesn't remember which morning that was, but my mom is convinced that there's something in the house that night. Uh oh. I didn't mean to be that long-winded, but still very fresh in my mind and very real in the moment. I hope something like this doesn't happen again. Honestly, same. I yeah, hope that like, doesn't happen to you again. I hope whatever was in your house just, like, nopes on out of there. But if there's anything else that comes up again, I'll write again. Oh, thanks, Vivian. She loves the show. Oh, we love you, Vivian. <laughs> be safe. Last night I had a really vivid nightmare. Yeah. Because I went and re- read all of... All of these trailers... Nicholas Winding Refn, yes. yes. Nicholas Winding Refn. Last week, a bunch of trailers for Hideo Kojima's new video mm. game, Death Stranding, dropped, and we I've have been, like, watching and watching and watching, and, like, I watched all of the trailers from, like, when it was first announced all the way over, and I've been, like, kind of obsessively looking for things in the background. I feel like kind this is like, something you should not be consuming a ton like, of. <laughs> this is, like, okay, I had this hole in my... I've had this, like, void that Kingdom Hearts 3, like... I almost made a really inappropriate joke, but I'm, I'm glad you continued talking. <laughs> like, I had all this time to, like, consume Kingdom Hearts 3 stuff and, like, speculation and everything, and then I've played the game, right? And I'm going to replay it again this summer. Mm-hmm. But there's this, like, Kingdom Hearts-shaped void in my soul right now mm-hmm. that, like, there's been nothing for me to speculate on. And Death Stranding is not a video game I'm going to play myself. I'm no. going to watch Jack play it or, like, watch <laughs> someone on the internet play it. Because yeah, maybe I do not have because you can pause and go away. I can pause and go away, and I don't have the guts to, like... <laughs> move the controller myself. Someone else has to move the controller for me. Sure. But I've been so curious about everything that it's about. And then I was curious because, like, Refn and Yomo Datoro are are in the game, but not acting as themselves. Like, they're, they let their face oh, gotcha, to, gotcha. for motion capture. And then someone else is, like, doing the voice mm-hmm. and acting or whatever. So, so their likenesses are in the game. And so I was trying to figure out, like, what Refn has di- directed. And I read... Every plot synopsis for everything he's directed last night before I went to bed. And that was a mistake because all my, all of my dreams, I was in danger <laughs> and someone was constantly trying to stab me or sure. harvest me or I was trying to save someone else from being harvested. Sure. And we were running around in like very like neon glowy like streets and everything with like lots of shady whatever. Yeah. And it's... I. Yeah, that would have all of my nightmares. And there was a (laughs) night this week that I kind of had that same waking up from a nightmare thing where you go and turn on your light and nothing in your room seems like how it usually is. You know, and you're like, I think I'm still dreaming, but you're not. You are awake, but nothing feels right. Yeah, I hate that. So, Vivian, I'm with you. I hope you're okay. (laughs) Yes, let's all get a good night's sleep, guys. Let's but, only watch happy things, like AP Bio. AP Bio, yeah, hashtag save AP Bio. It's a very charming little show. It's on Hulu. I think it's already been canceled, but yeah, maybe it'll come back. It's been hella canceled, but if you watch it, maybe it will come back from the dead. It's happened before, it'll be the good kind of zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Moida. 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 Moida, most foul. Moida. Hey, listen here. I got your story about your murder. Moida. Moida. I can't even consistently hey. do this voice. Say hello to your murder for me. <laughs> Your Moida's a goddamn angel. You tell her I said that. <laughs> yes. How's your mother? She's great. She's great. So Probably listen. your mother for me. Hey, Mom. Hey, Ma. Hey, Ma. Sasha says hey. 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 <laughs> We're talking about Moida. Moida. Uh, uh, Moida most foul. It's not the spookiest topic. I went and sought out two of the spookiest murders, because mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, you know, 
I assume everyone's interested in true crime. I realize that's not actually the case. It might just be me, but I super love murder, so I pick some There's a lot of true crime overlap with a lot of people we podcast with. I think so. There's, like, so much true crime. Because I think it it feeds that part of our brain, like, that morbid curiosity part of our brain. And also, if you're, like, anxiety-riddled, it's like... It's okay that I'm afraid of everything all the time, because if you're not and you let your guard down, some motherfucker's gonna murder you. You know what? Because there are motherfuckers doing murders. I was talking about your fascination with true crime the other day with someone, because I was saying that I was trying to buy something off of Facebook Marketplace, but the person ghosted me. Oh, Um, murder. And I I was like, oh, I'm really disappointed. And someone's like, oh, you have to be really careful about that. You might get murdered. And And I was like... You know, for someone who's, like, really preoccupied with murder and has, like, a lot of, like, stress about being murdered by something in our attic, you get a lot of things from, like, Craigslist and Mm -hmm. whatever, and I'm, like, amazed. Well, it's because I use all of my knowledge of true crime to be, like, fucking try and murder me, you dumbass bitch. Usually I go pick it up (laughs) in one of my many shirts that says the word murder because I like to think of that old joke where it's, like, you know, if somebody's trying to kill you and you're in a car, you're just, like, well, you're probably not a serial killer because what are the odds of there being two Two. in this car? (laughs) So I wear one of my, like, my favorite murder shirts or my murderino shirt because then they're, like, I'm not going to fuck with this bitch. Her shirt literally says murder. I always meet in a public, Mm well-lit place. Usually it's a Starbucks because there's always people in Starbucks. And I usually tell like two to three people the time I'm meeting someone and what time they should be there and what I'm passing off and when I should be done. And I tell them when it's okay. And I tell them in different areas. So it's not just like they can wipe out everybody in my local contact list because guess what, motherfucker? One of my safety contacts lives in Sydney. So <laughs> you I got have, down to a science. Yes. Yeah. So this is why I can like buy off of Craigslist with confidence because I'm like, just try and fucking Craigslist kill me. You're not gonna. This is how you don't get murdered with Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Just be terrified all the time. Well, Try and murder me, motherfucker. Do you Please don't. Do, <laughs> do you want to do one of your stories? Yes, then, I will do my spookiest story because we're going to want to yeah, lift and then back I'll, up. I'll follow up with a thing that we've been enjoying or maybe not enjoying together uh, um, based around murder. And then you can share another story. And then, and then I will wrap us, us up with, with something, something fun. Fun and uplifting, still murder, but... But, like, in a fun way. But in a fun way. Like, historical, old-timey fun murders. Like, you're cheering for the murderer and not the victim. There's this I don't know how to explain that. There's a meme that I have saved on my phone. I have so many memes It's like a swashbuckler who murders. Let me see if I can find it. But you cheer for the swashbuckler, because the swashbuckler is badass. I mean, who's not going to root for the swashbuckler? It's just just a picture of Lucille Bluth. I'm not going to be able to find it. But the caption is, like, me watching Snapped, and it's her. Oh, good, good for, for her. her. And I'm like, yep. I saw that the other day. <laughs> That's my life. Anyway, yes. let's all be horrified. Okay, tell me this scary story, and so, then we'll lift us up after. If you were able to catch our live stream, you heard mention of this in the game Beyond Belief, Fact, or Fiction, but I'm going to tell you the full horrifying story of the Andrews Family Haunting, a.k.a. the upsetting case of Daniel LaPlante. What I love about this is that your boyfriend is not necessarily like a consumer of anything that's tangentially related to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Not, 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 and he's he's just like, oh, you guys have a podcast, but he's yeah. like never he's like... He's very supportive, he's very but supportive, he's not a podcast but he's not like a pod, he, he won't listen to our podcast. He won't listen to any. Um, but, but we're his favorite of those that he doesn't listen to. Yesterday, <laughs> I was I was here, I was eating dinner, and... I'm like closing out my research. And you're closing out your research, and he's looking over your shoulder at your <laughs> laptop, and he goes... Oh, that's, like, really upsetting. Yeah, and this is... He watches horror movies for fun. Yeah. 
and like is unflapped by them. I'm like quivering and crying because I'm like, there was blood in this. And he's oh. like, this is a dark comedy. It's fine. I had to judge. I was judging the student film festival the other day and I literally was hiding behind my clipboard at one of the films. Oh, and no. Julia and our principal were like leaning forward, like very much enjoying it. He kept, <laughs> he kept calling me a wimp and Julia's like, Sasha doesn't do horror movies. And then the other judge who's like on the other side was also hiding behind her clipboard. And then she goes, Sasha, there's no jump scares. I just checked. So she's like texting one of the students down below to find out if there are any jump scares. Amazing. So I'm like one eye out for that. <laughs> Never be too careful. Never be too careful. Anyway. Anyway, so, so he, he, even he was scared. Even he was scared. And yeah. by the end of this story, you should all have a healthy fear of people living in your attics, in your homes that you don't know about. Lay yeah. it on me. I'm really get, nervous. Get some of that croissant. It's, it's only going to help. In 1986, Annie Andrews started getting phone calls from a boy named Danny. It was seemingly an 80s movie teenage girl's dream. Danny went to a different school, but he had seen her and thought she was so pretty that he asked a mutual friend to get her phone number. So, Danny... So he, like, slid into her DMs. He slid into her DMs 1986 style. style. Yeah, you know. Like, whom among us wasn't like, I just hope that someone from a different school will see me and just love me and then I'll have a boyfriend and it'll be so great. He'll be at another school. He He goes to a different school. Exactly. He thinks I'm cool. So, at first, Danny was super charming. He and Annie, like, struck up kind of a friendship over the phone. He told her that he was athletic and blonde. And he said, like, all the right things so that Annie, when he asked, was like, yeah, totally, let's go on a blind date, let's make this happen. But when he showed up, he was none of the things Annie expected. He was an unkempt, dark-haired boy, and he's described as greasy in multiple places. So, like, not great. And he gave off weird vibes the whole time. But, as I put in my notes, because it was the 80s and we hadn't started being good to teenage girls and telling them to trust their instincts yet, she went on the date anyway. No. I am here to tell you, if somebody's giving you bad vibes when they come to pick you up from your house, you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to go anywhere with them. You can be like, you know what? I just remembered I'm allergic to dating. Have a great night and slam that fucking door. You don't have to do shit. Anyway, it was a terrible date. Like, historically terrible, and as I put in my notes, I once went on a date with a guy who told me he couldn't think of anything he wanted to know about me. Mm. At which point, Jack, my boyfriend, now insists that I say, and we've been dating ever since. (laughs) This is why he is not allowed on our podcast. (laughs) Anyway, Annie told Danny that she had lost her mother recently to cancer, and Danny, being a fucking creep, was very interested in the details. What did Annie feel like when she lost her mom? How much did her mom suffer? How did you feel the moment your mom died? This is not good. No, and Annie would later state that it seemed as though Danny was obsessed with the death of her mother. I hate this. Annie finally made it home after her date and made excuses as to why she could never go out with him again, and it was seemingly the end of the whole affair. Uh Uh-huh. However... Shortly after the catastrophic date, Annie and her sister held a seance to try and have one final moment with their mother. That same night, the girls started hearing weird sounds. Rhythmic knocking sounded on the walls of their bedroom. They heard banging on pipes and assumed their seance had worked. Things around the house started to go missing. Furniture would move without explanation. It's, you know, your standard, Mm -hmm. like, spooky ghost stuff after a seance. Things came to a head one day when the girls were home alone and heard sounds coming from the basement. They went downstairs, which is a mistake. Never go into the basement. Just, it belongs to the ghost now. That's fine. Just wall it off. Mm -hmm. We don't speak of it anymore. Anyway, downstairs they saw a message seemingly written in blood on the wall. I'm in your room. Come find me. No. Instead, the two ran screaming from the house and told a neighbor what happened. 
The neighbor called their dad, but when the dad took a look in the basement, he found that the message was written not in blood, but in ketchup. So he's like, okay, these girls just lost their mother. We're all struggling with our grief. This is clearly a cry for attention. They want me home more, whatever, I understand. But he didn't do anything about it because he's like, they're just they're just trying to get a rise out of me right. and like, get me to you know give them the attention they need now that we've all lost somebody. For a little while, the house quieted down. There was no more banging, no more weird pipe sounds. All good. A few weeks later, it happened again. The girls heard knocking sounds from behind Annie's bedroom wall. When they went into her room... They again found a message written in blood. I'm back. Find me if you can. Once again, the girls ran screaming to a neighbor's house, and once a again, their dad came home, assuming it was nothing. But this time, he found the house in complete disarray, and he was like, oh, you know what? This isn't a cry for attention, because the girls wouldn't do this shit. No, something's happening. Something's happening. Somebody ransacked my fucking house. Brian, the dad, then went into his daughter's room. On the wall in here were two words. Marry me. No. Brian turned and saw something horrible in the room. A young boy was dressed in the dead mom's clothing. No. His face was slathered with her makeup and he was wearing a blonde wig. No, what the fuck? He was also carrying a hatchet. No. In the ensuing struggle, Brian was able to escape, but not before seeing Danny fucking LaPlante slip away and disappear from sight. Oh, God. When police came, they searched the house for clues of how LaPlante had gotten inside. One officer found a crawl space behind a built-in cupboard in the wall of Annie's bedroom. So it was just, like, built into the wall. And when he opened the cupboard, there was Danny LaPlante. Still in the house. Still in the house. Further investigation revealed that LaPlante had been living inside the walls of the Andrews home since he had gone on the date with Annie. He had tunneled passageways from the cupboard to all the rooms in the house and had even drilled peepholes so he could watch Annie regardless of where he was in the house. Danny LaPlante was placed into a juvenile detention facility for one goddamn year for doing this. For stalking and living in somebody's fucking house and watching them all the time and trying to fucking kill them with a hatchet one fucking year. Yeah, right? I was thinking about the crawl space under our house. <laughs> Have you checked it? Uh, the, 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 the home inspector checked it. I don't know. I don't think it goes, it goes under the house. I don't think it goes into the house. I will investigate further. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe just, you know, you can't be too careful. Uh... One fucking year is the point. I'll check Wednesday. There you go. <laughs> He's already going to have tuttled through your house by then. <laughs> I will bring Jack and a baseball bat. Yeah, the baseball bat's probably yeah. going to be. <laughs> swing Jack and hit him with them. We'll, we'll, we'll both, we'll both... <laughs> We'll both bring baseball bats. With knives taped to them. Anyway, immediately following his release, LaPlante broke into the Gustafsson family residence. And this is where the story gets just truly horribly sad. On December 1st, 1987, LaPlante came across Priscilla Gustafsson, who was 33 and pregnant, alongside her two young children. What state is this? Massachusetts. Oh, okay, thank God. So when Andrew Gustafsson came home from work, he found his wife Priscilla's body laying face down on her bed. She had been sexually assaulted and shot multiple times in the head at point-blank range. What the fuck? When he called the police, they found the bodies of five-year-old William drowned in the upstairs bathroom and eight-year-old Abigail drowned in the downstairs bathroom. LaPlante was long gone at this point, so they were like, fucking manhunt, this guy's a monster, he should be considered How did they figure out that LaPlante was the one that did it? Uh, He left behind a bunch of evidence, and I think, like, someone had seen him break in. Oh, okay. 
Anyway, so they figured out that it was him. Yeah. Probably because they compared it to other crimes in the area and mm-hmm. saw, oh, this motherfucker knows his way around a house and mm-hmm. is not a stranger to home invasion. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that he would escalate to fucking oh, sexual God. assault and murder. So while the manhunt was underway, LaPlante abducted another woman, but she was able to escape. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. But over the course of the kidnapping gone wrong, LaPlante was spotted and recognized by someone who had seen him on the news. 48 hours after the search began, he was found cowering in a fucking dumpster like the goddamn trash he is. Oh, jeez. He was promptly arrested and convicted of murder. He was sentenced to three life sentences for the murder of the Gustafson family. LaPlante is still kind of a shit, at least as recently as 2014. From 1988 to 2014, he kept suing the court system. Basically, he was like, you're violating my rights. I'm a practicing Satanist. And meanwhile, all the Satanists are like, dude, we're just chill. You're a fucking asshole. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. So he was saying that his religious rights were being denied as a practicing Satanist and they wouldn't let him do whatever the fuck. And the court's like, fuck you. That's bullshit. That's not how Satanism works. Get out of here. (laughs) And then in 2017, LaPlante appealed his original sentence in the hopes of getting a lighter one. And they have his speech online that you can read where it's just like, I'm real sorry. And I'm like, boo fucking who? Should yeah. have thought of that before you killed all these people? Court, courts should have locked you up in the first place right? after the stalking. Well, because we didn't treat stalking and attempted murder as very serious crimes back then. Because yeah. it was just like, eh, it's just a boy being a boy. What sucks is like, that was only like 30 years ago. It was only like 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were both almost alive. <laughs> his appeal was denied. Good. He is still serving out his three life sentences. Andrew Gustafson passed away in 2014, and reportedly among his final words were, don't ever let him out. He should rot in prison. Yeah. And that is the true horrifying, horrible story Oy. of the Andrews family haunting and the murders of Daniel LaPlante of the Gustafson family. It's horrible. It's like the worst fucking story. It's terrifying that he would be living in their goddamn walls and watching them. And just like, what kind of fucking person do you have to be? Like, I'm sure the light sentence was because he was still a kid. Like, he was like 16 or 17 uh-huh. probably. So they're like, we'll hold him till he's 18 and then he's back out into the wild. But like, think of the mistakes that you made at 17. Mm-hmm. My mistakes at 17 were like, I got super into Fan of the Opera. I was obsessed with OK Go and I was kind of weird. I didn't fucking kill anybody. I didn't live in anyone's house without their knowledge. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. All teenagers are weird. No teenagers are like... That. That. Or they shouldn't be. And if they are, there's something seriously wrong with them. I work with teenagers. Yeah. (laughs) None of them have probably acted like this. No. We hope. We hope. Yeah. You want to talk about the act? Yes. So... I do want to talk about the act, Courtney. <laughs> I sure do. I sure do. We still have two more episodes. And we're in the home fucking stretch. We're in the home fucking stretch. And I don't know when we're going to get through the last bit of it because the last two episodes have been so upsetting. We're just... So if you're not familiar, the act is the fictionalized retelling of the uh, Dee Dee Blanchard murder mm-hmm. and the case of the Munchausen's by proxy, wherein her daughter Gypsy Rose wasn't actually sick, but Dee Dee essentially tortured her for all 20-something years of her life. And then Dee Dee eventually met a man from the internet who was like, you know, I'll kill your mom or for you. Gypsy, Gypsy. Or Gypsy, Gypsy, sorry. Dee Dee didn't meet a man yeah. from the internet. Uh, Gypsy met a man from the internet who was like, I'll do it. Don't worry about it. And then they killed her mother. But anyway, we've been watching it. And it's tangentially related to murder. Because there's yeah. murder in it. Because there's murder in it. And so... Uh, you and I have been enamored by this case for a very long time, pretty much since, like, that original, was it a BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed article? article? And 
And I've looked into a lot of the local reporting as well, like when mm-hmm. the murder first happened, and I think the BuzzFeed article feeds for a lot from that. Um, they did, she did a lot of research yeah. in it. And so you and I have been like, what about this case for a very long time? Right. Somehow, watching the drama... T- it, we've watched the documentaries yeah, and everything, and right? Yeah, that's like, okay, we get it. Okay, this we get it, This is a horrible right? thing. And where we're the system seeing, like, failed this girl and then it led to murder. Yeah, it's horrible. beat by beat, we're watching everything. But watching the dramatized version with you over the last few weeks, Cor- Courtney and I can watch two episodes at a time. And then we're done. And it's like a week and a half or two weeks between sittings <laughs> because we cannot do more than it's that. It's just, it's rough. It's rough because, like, it's again that, that, that curious part of our brain mm-hmm. that why we like true crime and stuff. But now it's fictionalized. And the actresses in the show are doing so well to, like, get us to either love them or hate them, like, Mm -hmm. feel this, like, sympathy for them. And the two of us are constantly, like, screaming at the TV, like... Screaming at each other. Screaming at each other, like, we don't know what's happening next, even though we do know what's happening next. Making intense eye contact with with each other, because we're like, they are fucking on the floor of a movie theater There's, like, nothing for us to say. We just look at each other very intensely across the room, because there's nothing else that we can say. And it's just been this, like, terrible, like, torturous thing for us, where it's like... (laughs) This but could we're go down. Di- like we, it could go differently. Maybe this Maybe time, time the doctor will different. figure it out. Maybe I mean, this time she'll go to foster care. Maybe this time she'll just leave. Maybe, Maybe this time she'll meet a nice guy on the free Christian dating website. Then he goes, "I'm not going to murder your mom, but I'll help you get to a safe place, and then we'll file a police report, and we'll get you into." A safer living area. Maybe this time when a dude sends me weird images on the internet, <laughs> I just block instead of... <laughs> you delete continu- the dick pic and block him. You block him instead of continuing to conversate with them. <laughs> like, I don't understand. And so that's When like, they open with a dick pic, it's not going to get better. No. It's just they, not. When they open with a weird, like... and Okay. Kinks are kinks. Yes. Explore your sexuality in a safe, healthy, consensual manner. Kink away. But consensual (laughs) and safe is, like, the key, right? Don't do it to someone who's been treated as a child for her entire life and is actively being abused by her caretaker. And so in the dramatization, when he sends her that weird picture, like, the weird, like... Oh. It, it wasn't quite hentai, but like weird fan art image of, like... Bondage bondage and, like, knives and shit. Yeah. It's like... No, you just hit block on that girl. Yeah. But she doesn't know because she doesn't know what a healthy relationship is because her because mom is... she's never experienced yeah. one. She's never seen it. And she, you know, her... her <laughs> and what sucks is, like, we know that her dad and her, like, stepmom are out there... They're like, normal. ...wanting to, like, help her, and Dee Dee, like, keeps her away. And yeah. So, like, we're constantly hoping that something different will happen this, this time. This time the dad's going to show up, see what's going on, and be like, I'm going to take her. You, you sort out your own mess. Yeah. And we're or gonna, we're or gonna all go. the times we were like, you could just let her die. Yeah. You don't need to give her her insulin. You can just, you know, let this play out. It's still murder, but, like, it's not as hands-on. Yeah. You could like, just walk away. You could just walk away. Just walk away. And, like, I get it. That's the whole That's the whole abuse dynamic yeah. is they get in your head and you don't trust your thoughts anymore and you don't trust what you want because, obviously, they know what's best for you and mm-hmm. how can you survive without them. But it's still very hard to watch. Yeah. And so the last time that we we had a see we had we had a viewing <laughs> was when the murder happened mm-hmm. and then they ran away. Yes. And so that has been like kind of rooted into my brain for a few days because <laughs> you don't actually see it but you no. hear it and you. There see- was some gro- we had captions on. There were some gross captions. Yeah, like gross captions. The captions were very much it like was, squelching noises. I think it was like 
flesh squelching or something like that. Yeah, and I was like, screams. oh, that's unnecessary. Yeah. So it was rough. And, like, to watch Gypsy's, like, kind of mental deterioration a little bit yeah. after it, like, starting to have guilt and realizing, like, nothing is going to plan. And, like, and this guy who she's hitched her cart to is not... Well. Well or responsible or he can't really do anything. And, like, the realization that, you know, her whole life probably she's been telling herself someone is going to come rescue me from mm-hmm. all this and it's going to be like a fairy tale. And she has to rescue herself. And, and just... then she's like... This isn't how it goes in the fairy tale. No. In the fairy tale, you don't miss your train. You have a train ticket and you get out of there. In the fairy tale, you just get a happy relationship. You don't run out of money. Yeah. You know, like... You don't have to keep taking care of your weird child boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just sucks. And that's what I've been, like, upset about. It's just a very upsetting thing and we've been watching it. It's a very upsetting We've been watching it. But there's murder, so that's tangentially related. It's tangentially related. You ready um, for another murder? I am. Okay. I just wanted to bring us slightly up from that yes. last and murder. And this one, I will say, this one, while it is it is a spooky murder, because mm-hmm. I was trying to find spooky murders, this was one I had heard about, and while it is, it's, like, weird and spooky, but it's not as terrifying, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to beat the Andrews family haunting in terms of sheer horror. Yeah. Because that's truly horrible. This one's just kind of like, huh. Huh. Anyway, this is the Erdington murders. Erdington is a suburb in Birmingham, England. If you don't know, I didn't know. But shout out to CoolInterestingStuff.com, HistoricMysteries.com, USA Today, and the Huffington Post. And then shout out to Ranker and Parkamen.com for the other bits. This is where I do all my research. Also, give Wikipedia money. We haven't told you to in a while, but do it. Yeah. It's always a good time to give Wikipedia money. Yeah. Anyway. It's the cut. So Erdington in England is kind of like... Your stereotypical, like, quaint English town. Yeah. It started out as a rural village, but it became a very popular stopover because it was between some of the major hubs in England in the 17 and 1800s. Mm-hmm. So it's still a pretty happening burb. Burb. It's got a cool park in it. Like, shit's going on in Erdington. Sure. But the park that's there, Pipe Hayes Park, is also the site of a pretty gnarly murder. Mary Ashford, a 20-year-old woman, was found dead in a flooded sand pit inside the park on May 26, 1817. Okay. Prior to her death, Mary had been having a lovely evening out. It was Whit Monday, which I looked it up. It is a Christian holiday that takes place the day after the Pentecost, which is when the Holy Ghost descended upon the disciples of Christ. I'm assuming that's good, but the way they said it descends on them, it sounded like, does he eat them? Like, what's happening here? What time of year is this? I would say spring, because it, it happens in May. Oh, May. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So, yeah, spring. Yeah, early spring summer. Better. Yeah. Like a happy time. I don't, I don't know shit about Pentecost. I'm the world's worst Catholic. <laughs> anyway, Erdington, our sleepy, adorable burb, was hosting a Wit Monday dance, and Mary was real pumped. She walked from her home to the home of her friend Hannah Cox, where she dropped off the new dress that she intended to wear to that evening's dance. At 6 p.m. when Mary got off work, she went back to Hannah's and she changed into her new dress, and the two made their way to the Whit Monday dance at the Tyburn House Inn. And they were very popular at the dance. You know, obviously, they're 20-year-old young women. One's got a new dress. Ooh. It's, like, it's 1817. I just imagine this being, like, a dance at Gatsby's Tavern. 
Yes. Yes. Confirmed. Confirmed. Where it's like, ooh, girl, I saw the way you waved your fan at him. You think he's cute, don't you? (laughs) You big slutty slut. I see your ankles. (laughs) So, like, I just imagine, like, everybody's probably having a blast. And they're, like, these two charming young women. So all the dudes are like, ooh, fuck yeah, I'm going to go make subtle eye contact with her and maybe get a whiff of her perfume. I'm making finger guns right now. That's how they did in 1817. 1817, finger guns. (laughs) Just only finger guns all the time. Anyway... They were the center of attention and had attracted the eyes of several young men, but Mary picked one, and this was a young bricklayer named Abraham Thornton. So, like, hell yeah, you you get that bricklayer, girl. You get it. Hannah danced with Benjamin Carter, and Mary and Abraham, basically, they were glued to each other the entire night. Spent the whole evening together, all the dances. They left the dance at about midnight, and so they started to leave and go to their respective homes, And Hannah peeled off to go back to her house. Benjamin was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to the dance because he probably wanted to, I don't know, see some more ankles. Sure. Sip some more punch. Love the ankles. Who doesn't? Like, ooh, a sexy ankle. And Abraham and Mary kept walking towards Mary's grandfather's home. Like, they were like, we got this. Mm -hmm. We're going to walk together. Keep in mind, it's midnight. (laughs) Mary showed up at Hannah's again at 4 a.m. to change back into her work clothes. And Hannah was like... Hey, girl, he walked you home. It's 4 a.m. How did was it going? And Mary simply said that she had been spending time with Abraham before he left. And she seemed to be in a good mood. She didn't seem upset. She was just like, I had a great night. You know, I danced with a boy and we hung out till 4 a.m. It's a great time. Mary then left Hannah's and started the walk back home. Witnesses reported that she was walking alone and her good mood continued. So she didn't seem scared. She was just... Walking home after a great night out. A few hours later, though, Mary would be dead. We were all having fun and flirts. We were having fun and flirts, and now we're dead. Now we're back to murder. (laughs) At 6.30 a.m. on May 27th, a laborer heading to work would come across a pile of bloodstains women's clothes. He told the police, and when they came to check things out, they found two tracks of footprints made by a man and a woman heading toward a flooded sandpit. Mary's body was at the edge of the water. Her arms were heavily bruised, and what remained of her clothing was stained with blood. Police believed that Mary had been sexually assaulted and strangled to death in the early hours of the 27th. After speaking to witnesses, police came a knocking on Abraham Thornton's door. He was super shaken up to hear that the woman he had basically spent all of the previous night with is now murdered. And he was probably even more shaken up when they arrested him and charged him with her murder. Yep. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So Abraham maintained his innocence throughout the interrogation. He did admit that after the two split off from the group, they had sex in a field and stargazed and talked until about 3 a.m. Okay, so, I mean, she was kind of a little coy when she was coming home. Yeah. She wasn't about to be like, we did it in a field. Guess what we fucking did? We totes boned. Like, she's, you know, it's the 1800s. She's probably like, I got what I wanted, but I'm going to be a lady about it and not necessarily share with my friend because that's how we do in the 1800s. (laughs) But Abraham was like, it was consensual sex. We lay there after we boned and we looked at the stars. It was very romantic. And he walked Mary part of the way back to Hannah's house. And then he was waiting for her outside to walk her back to her grandfather's house. But, like, apparently enough time passed that he was like, I guess she's staying here and she's not coming back out. I'm going to bounce. So he left. He claimed that she was alive when he left her and that was the last that he had seen of her. Hmm. Obviously, the police were like, yeah, okay. Okay, man. Super fake, bro. And Abraham Thornton's murder trial began less than three months after Mary's body was found. (laughs) 
But while the court of public opinion was firmly in the he totes did it super guilty camp, the circumstantial evidence and multiple witnesses backing up Thornton's alibi saw the case getting thrown out. Like, not just one person who was like, I saw him walking alone. Right. I saw her walking alone. He apparently, like, stopped and had a conversation with some dude. And the dude was like, yeah, that was probably at, like, four. And then, you know, he kept walking. So it's like, alibis on alibis. Alibis on alibis. So the jury returned a not guilty verdict. Mary's brother, William, was like, fuck this. He refused to accept that his sister's possible killer was walking free. So he demanded a second trial. He got one. Ish. Ish? Okay. Lord Ellenborough presided over trial number two and declared that Abraham could defend his innocence with a trial by battle. (laughs) That's right. He gets to kill someone to prove that he hadn't killed anyone. It's a fight to the death to prove your innocence. Which again... kind of like when you're a witch. (laughs) Yeah. Like... It's like, oh, I guess she drowned. Our bad. (laughs) She wanted a witch. She wanted a witch. Oh, well. He, he doesn't know how to murder someone, so, so he murder I guess, her. Anyway. <laughs> so, Abraham was like, let's fucking do this, and he threw down a leather glove to initiate the challenge. But William Ashford, and I have this in my notes, was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I'm not getting murdered by some random bricklayer who may have already killed my sister. Because imagine, like, yeah. bricklayer, he's probably a pretty beefy dude. Right. And, like, unless you are a fellow bricklayer... You're going to get your ass handed to you and possibly murdered over this trial by battle. So William was like, I'm not fucking doing this. And so the battle never occurred and the case was dismissed. Dismissed. (laughs) (laughs) Oy vey. (laughs) Case was dismissed and Abraham walked free. But the community was so convinced of his guilt that he eventually came to the U.S. because he was like, I can't deal with this anymore. I gotta lay low. I gotta lay low in the U.S. of A. The unsolved murder was an incredibly damaging thing that left psychic scars on the Erdington community for years. Exactly 157 years, in fact. How do we know it's precisely that many years? Because exactly 157 years later, to the day and roughly to the hour, another 20-year-old woman named Barbara Forrest was found murdered within 300 yards of where Mary Ashford had been found. Barbara bore a striking resemblance to Mary. Uh, So that's Mary and that's Barbara. Okay. It kind of looks like an old-timey painting of that woman. We'll post it on the Instagram. I'll believe it. Like Mary, Barbara had also been sexually assaulted before being strangled. Her body was found on May 27th, 1974. The last evening she was alive... Barbara was out dancing with her boyfriend shortly after visiting her friend's house where she changed into a new dress. And oh yeah, it was Whit Monday. The similarities don't stop there. Mary and Barbara shared a birthday. A man with the surname Thornton was also suspected of killing Barbara. This time it was Michael Ian Thornton, a co-worker of hers at Pipe Hayes Children's Home. This Thornton was arrested after his alibi proved to be a lie, but much like Abraham Thornton before him, Michael Thornton would be acquitted due to a lack of hard evidence. Barbara's sister, like Mary's brother, refused to accept the not guilty verdict, and as recently as 2012, she demanded that the case be reopened and her sister's murder be reinvestigated now that we know about DNA, but as of today, Barbara's murder is still also unsolved. 
this makes me believe in reincarnation, like, in a really big way. Like, she's just destined to continue living the same life over and over again. It's gonna get creepier. Oh, no. Both Barbara and Mary had told friends in the weeks leading up to their death that they had a bad feeling. A week before her murder, Mary told Hannah's mother that she had, quote, bad feelings about the week to come, but she wasn't able to explain why or what exactly she was dreading. Ten days before Barbara died, she told a colleague at work, quote, this is going to be my unlucky month. I just know it. No. Don't ask me why. And that's why the Erdington murders are more commonly known as the carbon copy murders. Oh, God. Right? Like, oh what the Lord. fuck? How? How? 157 years. So it's not just like, you know, they were 40 years apart where it's like, theoretically, okay, he killed somebody at 20 and then he killed somebody again at 60. No. no 157 years. Confirmed. He's super deadsies. He's super deadsies. But like... Same circumstances. Similar MOs, like assaulted and then strangled. Left in similar areas. Similar wounds. Same fucking day. Same fucking birthday. Same fucking area. Same fucking area. (laughs) It's not like it was like two towns over. It was like the same same fucking weird holiday. Whit Monday. Whit Monday. Like, Jesus. British. Friends, please tell us about Whit Monday. Yeah, like what is this? Or like super Catholic friends. Or super Catholic friends, tell us about Whit. Anybody Monday. who celebrated Whit Monday, hit us up. Is it like a murder holiday? I was raised agnostic, so I do not know what this is. This I was is my raised first Catholic, hearing of it, but clearly we were not that Catholic because I didn't even know what Pentecost was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. all right, like because. I don't know. My best non-supernatural theory that it's not just like a ghost who's, you know, destined to kill yeah. the same woman and she keeps getting reincarnated to get murdered by the same ghost is that maybe it was like someone killed the first lady and got away with it. And then like his grandson or like his great grandson, like the story passed down and his great grandson was like, I'm a do what grandpa got away with. See, that's just like. I haven't, we haven't been keeping up on Riverdale. We sure haven't. I remember seeing this, like, screen cap the other day that was, like, we had your DNA tested when you were a baby, and you have blah, 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 and then Polly goes, the serial killer gene. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, hmm. Maybe. (laughs) That's, like, the spoop, that, see, that spoop. Yeah. That's actually related to Spoop Hour. That's right? a spoopy murder. Yeah, because maybe it's a ghost doing it. It's a ghost you just got to do it every 157 years. So maybe 157 years from the last one, it's going to happen again. Another 20-year-old woman. We will be long dead. We'll be super dead. So we're super safe. So <laughs> we're not going to be the ones murdered. But, you know, if you are, good luck. <laughs> no, it's not going to be you. Y'all will be super deadsville too. You're welcome. Good luck to our ancestors. <laughs> Who anyway. may or may not be able to live on this planet. <laughs> That's the real murder. Know. That's the real murder. <laughs> anyway, bring us back up, All Sasha. Right. It is June. It is. It is Pride. Hell yeah, it is. Happy Pride, y'all. Happy Pride. Let's talk about a badass, bisexual, yes. murderess yes. who we can cheer for. Yes. <laughs> not because she did the murders, but because she was so badass. But because she was badass. <laughs> Let's right. fucking do this. So Julie Dobney was born in 16, uh, 1673 to Gaston Dobney, a secretary to <laughs> Louis de Comte de Sure. <laughs> the master of the horse. I almost said the house. Master of horse <laughs> for King Louis XIV. Okay. Her father trained the court pages, and so her father, her, so, 
so her father trained her mm-hmm. basically like a boy. I believe Louis the Fourteenth is the one who said "Apprenez-moi la luge." After me comes the flood. Because they were like, what do you think is going to happen after you die and the next scheme takes place? And he goes, after me comes the flood. Flood. And then his grandson was Louis the 16th. Yep. You may remember what happened to him. Beheaded. (laughs) Beheaded. Revolution. Viva. (laughs) So, because, yeah, so her her father was, like, training these pages. Mm -hmm. And so her, she also learned dancing, reading, drawing, and fencing along the boys. Nice. And she also dressed as a boy from an early age. Okay. In 1687, so as she gets a little bit older, when she's 14, she starts having an affair with, with her dad's boss. And oh, so, at 14? At 14. I know we're rooting for her, but also, like... Well, I'll, I'll say, she only lives to be, like, 36 or 37. Okay, so she's essentially, so, like, 40 at this point. She's, like, she's basically dead. <laughs> she's basically... Whom Among Us is not basically dead at this point. Yeah, so, she, and, and also, like, given... Like, her father was also kind of a seedy person, mm-hmm. where, like... Basically, he would train the kids, but he would also go and, like, start fights and, like, fence all day. And then okay. he'd go to brothels and gambling dens and bars and stuff in the evening to, like, entertain Let Loose. I mean, I'm and sure he was having a great time. So, basically, his ideas for, like, bonding time with his daughter was basically teaching her how to use deadly weapons. And then <laughs> also, like, she she learns, like, how to be kind of sneaky. Nice. Of all these things, right? Sneaky assassin, bitch. So, I love it. So, her... So she starts having an affair with her dad's boss. Okay. And... I'm just imagining, like, her in trousers in the 1600s. I bet people, like, peed their pants. Yeah. They were like, what the actual fuck? I can see that you have legs? Yes. What? (laughs) What? So she starts having an affair with her, uh, with his boss. Gotcha. Um, the Count d'Omniac. Um, um, master of the Ar- Armagnac, horse. yeah, the master of the horse. Horseman. Let's horseman. just call him Horseman. So she has an affair with Horseman. She has an affair with Bojack Horseman. With Bojack Horseman. <laughs> also and bringing it back to the act character, actress Margot Martindale is in the act. <laughs> yes, okay. So this and is so funny. every time she's on screen, we're like, character actress Margot Martindale. Bojack Murder Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so basically, like, he can't duel his own boss, right? Sure. So to break up the marriage, he ends up sending... It's, it's this weird, like, deal where, okay. like, they marry her off to someone else, but the boss also gives her dad a promotion. This is, like, a weird thing. Like, we have to break up. I'll give your dad a promotion so he won't be mad. We cool? We cool? <laughs> Who like, among us hasn't been dumped so our dad could get a promotion? Like, now? I'll give your dad a promotion. We can't see each other anymore. This will probably keep the heat off. Let him marry you off to someone else. So Did they still bone after? I, I don't know. Okay. What I like about this article is that they called having an affair with her dad's boss stupping. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, he ends up arranging her marriage to a mild-mannered clerk. Oh, he sounds boring. that he might settle her down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he didn't. But the clerk, that thing doesn't, like, really work out because he has to, like, travel for work. And he ends up, like, just kind of leaving her, like, behind. So technically she's just married. He does, like, 1600s divorce style where he's just like, like, anyway, I'll never see you again. So for work I have to go to this other, I have to go to India. So um, I'm going to be over there. And you can stay here. You do what you need to do. So she has, instead, she ends up hooking up with this swordsman who's kind of like... He just is like a traveler and... Swashbuckler. Swashbuckler. And so... You could swash my buckles anytime, am I right, ladies? <laughs> oh, yeah. So so she moved to Marseille and okay. so meets this guy. But turns out he actually has a little bit of a bad uh, reputation in oh, that okay. he's 
on the run for murder because <laughs> there was a duel that went wrong. Because he stabbed someone in an alley in Paris. Um, <laughs> I don't think if it's happening in an alley, it can be classified so, as a duel. So he ended That up, seems like a real fancy name for stuff happening in an alley. <laughs> right. So he ends up actually training her even better in fencing. Ooh. And, so they fence and they fuck? And they fence and they fuck. I'm here for um, it. And then... Basically, she got better than him, and she was like, dude, I'm out. Like, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Dick's like, not she, that good. Deuces. <laughs> so she realizes, like, she she can, like, go and, like, give her own fencing demonstrations. Yes. So um, she started, like, kind of going around Marseille, going around in, throughout France. Mm. She'd pull out her sword, sing a song or two, and challenge anyone in the audience to battle her in a duel. If someone stepped up, she'd sing a humiliating song about them, make them look like an asshole who couldn't tell the difference between a sword and a limp piece of linguine. <laughs> and her skills were so, like, lo- like just so good uh-huh. that some dude in the crowd, like, while she was fighting someone, was like, that's not a woman, that's a man in drag. And Uh-oh. so she busts open yeah. the front of her dress, tits out, still <laughs> sword fighting. Yeah. Like, what you gonna do about this? What you gonna do about this? How do you like these titties? How do you like these titties? <laughs> so... Okay, so, you know, you could just make a life of sword fighting with your tits out. That's fine. So she ends up at one point, you know, dumping, you know, dating men, dumping men, dating men, dumping men, men, dumping them. (laughs) And then eventually seduces a local merchant's daughter. Hey! The merchant, who was desperate to separate the two, sent his daughter to a convent. (laughs) I'm sure that worked when the swashbuckler was like, excuse? This would stop Julie? No! I'm sorry. Are you so... Of course it's not going to stop her. She joins the convent. (laughs) Yes! And ends up boning her girlfriend (laughs) in the house of the Lord. And meanwhile, all the other nuns are like, oh, it's so nice that they're such good friends. Just gal pals. Just just gals being pals. Oh, they want to be roommates. That's so sweet. (laughs) So at some point, a nun dies. Okay. Not related to Julie. Uh-huh. She didn't murder the nun. Mm-hmm. But this nun dies, and okay. Julie gets this very convenient idea. Uh-oh. I'm going to put the nun's dead body in my girlfriend's bed, and we are going to flee tonight. Okay. Also, I am going to set the convent on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I was with you up until that point. <laughs> and then the two of them ran off. So, you know, just a classic love story. Real quick, the convent thing reminded me of Mary Fields, uh-huh. who is also known as Stagecoach Mary. She was this incredible boss-ass bitch. Look her up. Like, it's not spoopy in the slightest. She's just the boss-ass bitch. But she had a very special friend that she followed to a monastery. Or not a monastery. She followed to a nunnery. And... She and this very special friend were nuns together, and they just probably shared a room and stuff, and it was super nice, and, you know, just gals being friends and whatever. They were probably totally boning. Yeah. But anyway, read about Stagecoach Mary. Apparently, that was the thing to do. If you and your lady love wanted to get away, just join a fucking convent. They'll never think to look for you there. Exactly. So. Demis. The two of them ran off. They enjoyed a long elopement. Okay. But then after three months. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, how long were they? together they were in the convent for a while okay and after they escaped the convent another three months and then julie got bored again sure and so she dumped her back at her parents house <laughs> anyway house. here you go and here this is and yours. she ran off into the night <laughs> so for this bout of shenanigansery <laughs> she was sentenced to death 
But in response, she approached her dad's boss, Horseman. Oh, okay. And through his influence, he convinced Louis XIV to revoke her sentence. Okay. And so Louis XIV was like, this is actually kind of funny. I'm sure Louis XIV was like, this woman is the best. How could I kill her? And so, <laughs> so you know, she, she runs off again. Sure. Okay, so sh- then she joins... The Paris Opera. Okay. So, this so she's is, really good at singing. She's it's really not just, good at singing. It's not just mocking idiot men. Yeah. Singing, it's like legit singing. Yes. Okay. So she she joins the opera, and she alternately fucked and fought her way through <laughs> all of her stage contemporaries. Yeah. And audiences were just like, here for it. Of course. So a couple of things about her time in Paris. There was another opera singer who started talking shit. Uh-oh. About a number of women. Uh-oh. Including Julie. Don't do that shit to and Julie. And she responded to him, responded by ambushing him, pushing a sword in his face and demanding a duel. <laughs> and then when he refused on the grounds that he was a wimp, <laughs> she beat him with a cane <laughs> and stole his snuff box and watch. <laughs> and then the oh, next man, day, she caught him complaining that he had been assaulted by a gang of thieves. <laughs> So she called him out. Clearly he has not learned his lesson. And was like, bitch, I beat you up. (laughs) (laughs) I'll fucking do it again, too. (laughs) Another night, while she was out on the town, you know, doing what she does, a particularly ardent man began crudely hitting on her. Uh Uh-oh. She had just finished singing for the crowd, and he let loose with the one-liner, I've listened to your chirping, but now tell me of your plumage. A come on, which I guess means, like, does the carpet match Match your drapes? drapes. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, bird style. She she cloaked all over him. Got in a fight with him and two of his friends. <laughs> so three against one. She won, yes. And she ran her sword clean through his shoulder. <laughs> and she felt kind of bad. So the next she did, day, and she did nothing wrong. The next day, she visited him in the hospital, and they boned. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! She's like, you know, I thought about what she said, and this is my plumage. Meanwhile, he's writing the weirdest penthouse letter of all time. Dear penthouse. I got stabbed by a woman. And then I stabbed her right back, if you know what what I mean. mean. So this relationship actually lasted a short while. Oh. But then they broke up. But they became they stayed friends forever. Well, I mean, how can you not be friends with someone who stabbed you and then fucked you? Right. (laughs) Another time, and this is what got me interested in the first place in this story. Other than everything else. So there was a ball that Louis XIV threw. Okay. And she was dressed like a man okay. for this ball. Sure. And she spent most of the evening cour- courting different young women. Sure. And there was one particular young woman who, Ooh. like, had other suitors, and she kissed her in front of everyone. <gasps> Ooh, girl! And the three guys challenged her to a duel. <laughs> well, again, they haven't heard about Julie. <laughs> again, she's taken on three-on-one fights before and won. And she fought all of them outside the royal pa- palace and won. Some accounts say that she actually killed at least one of them. <laughs> Holy fuck! But see, Louis XIV was still so entertained by this woman that <laughs> she, she got pardoned again. I love it, because I'm just now imagining Louis XIV with, like, hearts in his eyes just being like, you do you, boo. Right? <laughs> and so why why Louis XIV is, like, so okay with this... Sure. Is Because um, she was amazing? <laughs> like... She, it was this this eccentrism of her and, mm-hmm. like, this entertainment factor that she kind of created. Louis XIV thought, hey, everyone's paying attention to her and think, like, enamored with her. They don't care 
like, how corrupt I am. <laughs> so I'm just gonna let, like, I'm just gonna, like, not be the bad guy here. Nothing like a swashbuckling lady to distract right? from your utter, utter corruption. Um, and the funny thing is, like, the three guys that she had dueled and possibly killed were, like, pretty important noblemen. And they had had, like, pretty strident, like, anti-dueling laws. Oh, and, like, yeah, I remember She still got that. away with this, right? So what ended up happening was, like, she just kind of fled to Brussels. Okay. Until Meanwhile, he- Brussels is like, Hurricane Julie coming on in! Yeah. The, basically, his, she ran away to Brussels. The law was preventing men from dueling. And Excellent she's not, loophole. She, she is no man. This but is where was, using sexist language, like referring to everybody as men when not everybody is men, bites you in your ass. Yeah. Because it means ladies can duel and kill people as much as they want. Yeah. I'll make the rules. So, you know, like, technicality. But she still <laughs> decided to run to Brussels to, like, let this thing die down. Sure. So she took, takes another lover when she's in Brussels. Cool. Surprise! This is the Elector <laughs> of Bavaria. But okay. the two grew apart. This is a very, very short relationship. Apparently, the elector was, like, nonplussed when Julie stabbed herself on stage with an actual dagger. What? <laughs> what? I what? don't know. <laughs> I think I broke you. What? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Just because? Just because. Okay. Um, and I have then, no further questions. And then he actually tried to get her to leave. He was like, girl, you need to go. <laughs> And he gave her 40,000 francs, but she ended up throwing, like, the money back at him and then swore at him and kicked him down a flight of stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this woman is everything. Nothing else can ever be this thing again. Oh, I forgot to say, she actually made that guy from the opera, like, beg in front of everyone to get his stuff back. She did settle down a little bit. She does eventually reunite with her husband once she's like... Oh, the mild-mannered... The mild-mannered... Clerk yeah, guy. Um, when she's finally like, okay, I think I'll I think I'll think be okay. But she... It seems like she kind of just like goes home. I think she has one more relationship with another woman. Hmm. But but she she did pass... The, girl, the girlfriend passed away earlier. And they say that she died of a broken heart. But... But yeah, she settles down, and she's dead by between... They, they don't have, like, a firm thing, but between 33 and 37. Okay. So she was very much live fast, die young, leave yeah. a good-looking corpse. She left a lot of good-looking corpses, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and so I guess the tangential murder thing is that she she may have killed people. I'm pretty... I she, feel like she I'm had to I'm pretty sure she had to have killed people, or they died from wounds later. <laughs> Some <laughs> wounds infection Wounds sustained in battle. Yeah, so wounds sustained in battle. So, Amazing. So for pride... Happy, happy Pride, happy Julie du Ob, Ob, God, French last names, du Ob, Obgini, Obgini, Daubigny, Daubigny, probably, Julie Daubigny, Daubigny, uh, badass bisexual queen, swashbuckling Julie, I love her, you should, everyone should, everyone should, we should all strive for that energy, this pride, and all the time. And my favorite thing is, like, one person commenting on it on Twitter saying, what was it? We've been new. Swords are gay culture. <laughs> they also say, please check out Ion du Beaumont. So, yeah. what I, I just would love to see a movie about her. Oh, There's just, like, God. so much... There's so much to unpack. And yeah. it doesn't even have to be true. It could just be, like, based on her. There's, yeah. like, so many different opportunities. Yeah. For, like... Opportunities. Opportunities. I just fucking fucking love this. I, I, I'm still, like, dying about, like, like she fights three men, stabs one, and then hooks up with I mean, the sheer, like, gutsiness to be like, I know I stabbed you, but hear me out. 
let's bone. Like, are you kidding? Like, all it takes for me is to, like, say one embarrassing thing, and I'm like, well, I can never talk to that person ever again. And And I've never stabbed anyone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Ugh, queen. I love her so much. And so, yeah, I just, like, randomly came across her yesterday just scrolling through Twitter. The original post was the commentary was I'm sorry what <laughs> and it was a screenshot from Reddit saying today I learned that Julie Dobney was a 17th century traveling swordsman among her other exploits when her female lover was sent to a convent she was and en- she also entered the convent stole the body of a dead nun placed in her lover's bed and escaped with her lover and burnt the convent down <laughs> and here's like a beautiful photo of her I mean, illustration not a photo yeah get it girl I love her and then that um, there like she has a very extensive Wikipedia page I lots of people have tweeted about her her in the past, like, you know, history tweets. RejectedPrincesses.com did a profile on her. Yes. Here's the, here's the oh illustration my God, of her amazing. running Look like a nun, nun with a convent friends. burning in the background. <laughs> what is this? Like, people chasing behind her. <laughs> um, oh. And then BadassOfTheWeek.com did a profile on her, too. And I love the way the Badass of the Week one is written because the... That's um, the stubbing one? It, no, that was the... the, the Predicted princesses with stubbing. This is just like one of the most badass human beings ever produced by France was born in 1670, but into a life of wealth, privilege, and one percenter opulence, that meant she could have just spent her entire life chilling out real housewife style without ever so much as having to shank a single human being in the eye of hellacious fit of rage. (laughs) But as we shall soon see, that sort of malaise wasn't this chick's bag. Amazing. She Uh. is everything. She's our badass of the month and possibly forever. I hope... You have forgotten about the Andrew family's haunting. There have been no murders. other stories on this we episode. We just want to talk about bisexual just, swashbucklers. We just talked about our bisexual swashbuckler, and then nothing else happened this episode. You got me? Nothing. Nothing else. Except for when we did, like, whale and bird sounds. Yes. That's it. That's all this episode has been. It's been, like, a 20-minute episode, and it was fucking amazing. It was fucking Loved amazing. It. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Please start working on your screenplay for the Julie Daubigny story. If you've got stories about weird things your parents told you so that you wouldn't misbehave as a child. Or like wouldn't maybe be a like... bisexual swashbuckler would come and stab you if you didn't eat your vegetables. <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell my future children. Eat <laughs> your vegetables or a bisexual swashbuckler. Oh man, I look forward to that phone call from oh, school. <laughs> so, it's about your kid. She keeps jumping off of the playground yelling, I'm a bisexual swashbuckler. <laughs> and then she stabbed another kid. So, we can't have that. <laughs> Please get her in check. <laughs> if you have any stories like that are LGBT related, queer stories that are also spoopy, I feel like yeah, especially now, there's got to be a queer cryptid out there somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, gritty, gritty. Yeah, 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 yeah. But whoop, whoop. we're living it. We're loving it. We love you guys for listening. You're all bisexual swashbucklers in our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Go stab some people and then maybe bone them. You know. We're not going to tell you how to live your life. It's your life. Live it. Hi, I'm Lindsay, and I am here with Daniel and Amber, and we are here to tell you about our podcast, 33% Pulp. We pick a Pulp Fiction novel based entirely on the cover because they're either funny or ridiculous. And then we split the book into thirds, we each read only our third, and then we recap it to each other and to you across three episodes, and it somehow comes together and makes sense. We hope that you give us a listen. We are 33% Pulp. And we're 100% excited to have you laugh with or at us. Bye! Bye. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. You know, sometimes I just don't feel like eating dinner, 
So I just like to like get a box of cinnamon toad crunch and tone crunch. Hey Sasha. <laughs> Hey, Sasha. Hey, Sasha. <laughs> hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. I just remembered something. Yeah. Um, we have a reader story, or listener story. Oh, okay, great. Anyway. Do you hey. want, did you read it, or do you want no, to read it? No, I, I just, okay. like, skimmed, because she was like, sorry if it's super long, and I just skimmed to see how long it was. It's not that long. Okay, can I read it? Yes. Okay. I'll pull it up in a second. 